Welcome to the Peace Tabernacle Adult Sunday School class. Um, I've been teaching on Wednesday nights a series on forgiveness, and I think this is the fourth lesson that I was not able to teach Wednesday night because we had no power at the church, so we had to cancel service. So my husband asked me to do it this morning. And um, how many of you have been here on Wednesday nights and have heard some of the forgiveness lessons? Okay, there's a few. There's a few. Well, these books that Stephen is passing out has a lot of my notes in it. It's ten pages of scriptures and um things that talk about forgiveness and one of the pages that we're going to go over today is the one about how to how do you confess faults how do you confess forgiveness is a huge topic and it's something that we all deal with because we all have secrets we all have sinned we all suffer relationships strained by the burden of sin. We all face conflict and adversity. We all need forgiveness and mercy, not only from God, but from each other. And here's my favorite statement of all times. It is through our relationships that we learn to become Christ-like. Do you say that with me? It is through our relationships that we learn to become Christ-like. If you never had to deal with people, oh, it'd be easy to live for God because you, you know, there would never be friction, offenses, fights, division. But we, nobody's an island. We all have to deal with other people. And... Throughout my life, um, you know, my main desire was to be, first of all, a good Christian, and then a good wife and a good mother. And I have failed in all three of those areas. And sometimes it's harder for us to forgive ourselves than it is for us to forgive somebody else. But... The Bible, and I don't have my Bible up here with me, but the Bible is full of relationship topics. Parenting, marriage, brothers to sister, in the church, out of the church. It's full of, of God's ways for us to resolve these issues the way God intended for us to. The way God deals with us is how we should deal with others. So it is through our relationships that we learn to become Christ-like. How many of you want to be Christ-like today? Um, and the home is the laboratory where God really zeroes in on us. Because it's the people that we live with day to day that can hurt us the most. People that love you the most can hurt you the most. Husband and wife, parents and children. The gospel will not be effective. I want you to hear this. The gospel will not be effective until we learn to live it out in the context of relationships. 
when two Holy Ghost-filled people cannot get along in a marriage and they divorce, you know what you're telling your children? You're telling them the gospel doesn't work. When both of you are full of the Holy Ghost, you should be able to work through your problems. But see, we tend to focus more on outward holiness because the things we can see. But true holiness is how we treat others, plain and simple. Because if you cannot treat people like God asks us to do, then it doesn't matter how holy you are on the outside. It's of no value. We got to get the inside right first. Christian growth is a battle against Satan in our own hearts. He works through the dynamics of one person relating to another, attempting to accomplish his destructive goals. Don't you know that's the truth? The next time you and your husband or you and your wife have an argument, don't think of them as your enemy. They're not your enemy. We do have an enemy. And it delights him when he can bring division into the home. Look at the shape our families are in today in America. Look at all of the destruction that's being brought on our young people and our children that they don't even know whether they're a boy or a girl. This has been a progression. It's Satan's plan to destroy your life. But God has given us instruction, and through the Word of God, we can see my brother is not my enemy. Satan is trying to destroy our relationship. Satan is trying to bring dissension into the church and discord so that it can bring confusion and people can get discouraged and people can get hurt and they can leave the church because that happens. That's Satan's plan. He's your enemy. It's not your brother. It's not your sister. It's not your husband or your wife. I want to live by his word. Everybody, let's say that. I live by his word. I live by his word. Our first scripture today is found in James 5.16. And it says, Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You know, I used to pray that all the time. I'd say, oh, Lord, let me pray that effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person so my prayers can avail much. And I didn't realize what the first part of that verse said. Before my prayers can be profitable and powerful, I've got to learn to confess my faults. And pray for each other to, so that we can be healed. Our relationships can be healed. Because if you've got contention in relationships and there's things you need to make right with other people, it will hinder your prayers. That's scripture. Healing comes when we're able to confess our faults to one another. Have you ever been in a situation, maybe in your marriage, there's a lot of married couples in here. 
um, you've been in a situation and you maybe were, you were hiding something from your spouse and you were afraid if they knew they would get mad. You don't have to raise your hand. But, but see, when we start hiding things, that becomes a problem. When we bring things out into the light, we bring it out of the darkness and we're able to confess along with a desire to change. Confession is powerful because when you confess your sins to God or your sins to somebody else, that's when the blood of Jesus is applied. Confession clears our conscience and frees us from guilt. Confession of faults and asking forgiveness should be done as soon as possible. Because if you don't do this, and this is something I had to learn because I'm not good at confrontation. Never been good at it. And something can bother me, and it can eat on me, and the longer you suppress it, the bigger it gets until it consumes all of your thoughts. And sometimes it could just be done with if you could just come out in the open with it and confess it. Uh, You know what? When you said such and such, it made me feel such and such. That's so much better than stewing on offenses until we're eat up with bitterness. Ephesians 4, 26 says, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. See, we got to deal with it quickly before the sun goes down. Don't sleep on it. Don't let weeks go by before you deal with it because unresolved contentions keep us enslaved to the devil. It creates barriers which destroy trust. It causes constant friction and tension and it hinders our prayers. It's human nature to resist exposing our own faults. Who wants to do that? One hindrance to confession and honesty is pride. It's much easier to project blame on someone else. But confession is the process in which we take ownership of our shortcomings. And we become accountable to others. Sorry. Sometimes all it takes to heal a relationship is for for us to acknowledge the pain and offense we have caused. So why why do we let pride or anything else keep us from doing it? To build a foundation of trust, we work at being transparent and honest with others. Relationships are built on trust. Now, that doesn't mean that if you have a bad thought about somebody, you immediately run, tell them, oh, I thought, oh, sister so-and-so, you look so ugly today, and I'm so sorry for having that thought. No, that's ridiculous. That's stupid. So don't, don't take this to the extreme to, to cause a problem where, where there's not one. But you've got on page, I believe it's seven in your book, how do you confess faults? Let's go through that for just real quick. First of all, keep focused on your faults. 
Don't project blame on the other person, even if they cause the problem. Never take up the sword with the tongue, even if you're right. Focus on your own actions. Be honest with your adversary. Identify the offense. Be specific. Take ownership ownership of your fault. Use I statements rather than you. So when you're when you're trying to resolve an issue with another person, don't go up to them and say, Well, you made me mad because you did, but no. You go and say, I felt so and so. I felt rejected when you left me out of the conversation. I felt betrayed by the when you said so and so. Always take ownership and use I statements instead of you. Because the minute you start pointing the finger, defenses and walls are going to go up. You've got to keep the focus on I. I felt. I thought. Do not say, well, I was wrong, but so were you. Don't say, well, if I did anything wrong. No. When you say that, you're not admitting anything and you're not really sorry. How many times do we do that? Well, if I, if I came across that way, I didn't really mean it. No, just own up to what you did. Well, I was angry because I was tired, and I've been dealing with a lot. And, you know, don't make excuses. Just say, I was wrong. I lied to you. Tell the truth as to the offense of the cause of the offense, how wrong attitudes led to wrong actions. Whenever possible, agree with your adversary quickly. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Because when you, when you hold on to it, you're, you're allowing the devil to set up a stronghold where bitterness can set in, and that makes reconciliation more difficult. If possible, preface your confession with recognition of the person's positive attributes. Convey genuine regard for the person's feelings. Remember to ask for forgiveness. Depending on the offense, it may be helpful to follow up with some goodwill gesture, perhaps sending flowers or a card in the mail. You know, a little goodwill, an act of kindness goes a long way. Last Sunday, when the youth were giving their little testimonies about the trip, I was totally taken off guard when they gave me a bouquet of flowers. And I'm telling you, every time I look at those flowers, I just smile. And I'm like, I love those flowers. They're beautiful. How sweet. How sweet that they thought. I mean, it makes you feel so good. When somebody does an act of kindness for you that was, they didn't have to do it. So if you're trying to make peace with someone, maybe you could follow up with an act of kindness. Number seven, invoke God's blessing upon your confession as you pray for each other. Together, confession and prayer can facilitate reconciliation. Now, this is what the Bible says about confrontation. Let's look at Luke chapter 17. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother trespass against you, rebuke him. 
In other words, go to him and tell him what he did. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he trespasses against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turns again and says, I repent, then you shall forgive him. So, in other words, forgiveness is unlimited. We don't say, oh, I forgave you seven times already. That's it. No more forgiveness for you. Because God forgives us over and over and over again. If it wasn't for God's forgiveness, none of us would have a prayer of a chance of making it to heaven. But what if someone constantly sins against you and doesn't ask forgiveness? This happens. This happens in marriages. Many times, ongoing abuse occurs because the person being abused abused, refuses to stand up to the abuser. But when you deny and suppress your anger, it gives the abuser permission to manipulate and control you. We we have these little things we learn as as marriage partners. We, We know what makes the other one tick. We know how to push their buttons. We know how to control them with guilt, with whatever. Sometimes it's threats. But failure to confront will keep you bound by fear and confusion. You are strengthened when you take a stand. Even if your enemy doesn't acknowledge your hurt, you gain ground spiritually because the offense is no longer suppressed. At the same time, your enemy becomes acutely aware of his actions. Your words have power if spoken in humility and with respect. We need to learn this in our homes. We need to learn it because our families are in trouble. And we're teaching our children. See, I told you last time I taught on this, I grew up in a home where fighting was not allowed. Uh, my parents didn't fight in front of us. Now, they did fight. I, f- I have f- found out since then. <laughs> but not in front of us. We were not allowed. F- I'd, we'd watch our cousins fist fight and roll all over the floor, and, and with girls, and we'd just stand there in awe because we weren't allowed to do that. And my daddy was the type that if he said so, you don't question it. Even when I was in my teens, Even when I was engaged, if he said, you can't go to that youth rally, I couldn't say, but why? No, you weren't allowed to ask why. So when I got married in our young life, I don't know how my husband lived with me, honestly. (laughs) Uh, He gets up here and tells you what a good Christian I am. Don't believe him because I have done so many stupid things And you know what? He could hurt my feelings, and he was totally oblivious to it. Like, forget my birthday or something. And I would stew on, he doesn't love me. He forgot my birthday. (laughs) Really? Really? That's how much he loves me? Then you build his case up in your mind. Wouldn't it have been better for me to go say, Kenny, I expect you to remember my birthday. Because that makes me feel loved when you buy me a birthday present. That would have been so easy. But no, I expected him to read my mind. We've got to get this, folks. We have got to understand how God wants to bring healing into our relationships. We've got to teach our children this. 
because they're going to deal with it too. They're already dealing with it. So every time you confront, you reaffirm the truth, your enemy loses ground, and his defenses are being broken down, and the Holy Ghost can convict his conscience through the truth of your testimony. Conflict forces us into maturing spiritually when we surrender to God's way of handling it. The question is, are we willing to submit ourselves to the Word and do the necessary hard work to accomplish unity. Sometimes it's hard work, but it's worth it. It's worth it to be free of that guilt, to be free of the bitterness, the anger. Matthew eighteen fifteen says, if your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you've won your brother. But if he doesn't listen to you, take witnesses then take it to the church. This is talking about church discipline. And this is for extreme cases, mostly when an individual becomes a danger to the church body. Most disagreements can and should be handled in private between the two of you. Don't make it a church problem, okay? Unless somebody is a danger to the church, um... You know, we, we won't be bringing you up before the church and saying, Mariah, Mariah screamed at her kids this week. Church, we want you to look at this woman. <laughs> no, we're not going to do that. But sometimes church discipline is necessary. But we always use discretion in these things, and sometimes you do need help resolving an issue. And if you do, you need to choose wise counsel be careful who you involve in the conflict because the goal is to save and restore not to isolate and destroy okay mark 11 says and when you stand praying forgive if you have aught anything against any that your father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses Because if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. Matthew 5 says, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has ought against you, leave your gift before the altar and go your way and be reconciled to your brother and then come offer your gift. To survive spiritually, we must learn to confront and confess. Otherwise, our prayers are hindered. And you know what? Prayer, prayer is hard work. Prayer takes time. It takes effort. And you're going to get down. I don't care if you pray eight hours a day. If there's something between you and another person that's eating on you, your prayers are not getting off the ground until this is resolved. This is the word. I live by the word. Okay, this is not my rule. This is the word. Matthew 7 says, Do not judge so you will not be judged, for in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that's in your own? Or how can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. 
And Matthew 7, 12 says, In everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you, for this is the law and the prophets. I'm trying to rush because I've got a little YouTube video I want you to watch. It's very powerful. Um, in John chapter 8, the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious rulers, bring a woman and throw her down at Jesus' feet. And they said, she's an adulterer. We caught her in the very act. Now, what are you going to do? Because the law of Moses says she should be stoned. But they were trying to trap Jesus because it was against the Roman law for them to stone people or to kill anybody. So Jesus bends down and writes in the ground, and they're just standing there. Well, what do you say? What do you say? They've all got stones in their hands. And Jesus, Jesus calmly stood up and said, He that is without sin cast the first stone. And one by one, from the eldest to the youngest, they begin to drop their stones. And my prayer today is, Jesus, take the stones out of my hand. Take the stones out of our hands, God. Help us to lay our weapons down and do things God's way. Have you got that video ready? All right, let me say one thing. Reconciliation is the goal. That's the ultimate goal of forgiveness. But even if reconciliation is not possible, we can always choose to forgive and to cancel the debt of anybody that's offended us. But reconciliation is the goal. This video I want you to see is about a woman that offered forgiveness and received reconciliation. Watch this. The first uh, 11 years of my marriage after Pascal and I were married were wonderful years, you know, that we experienced loving each other, um, having the children, um, sharing them, enjoying them. And um, after then, something went wrong. My husband uh, started drinking very heavily and uh, became an alcoholic. I started displaying my anger and bitterness in, in, in that relationship. Um, by withholding. I grew bitter and frustrated and um, in a sense wanting to lash back. Uh, I always um, brought up the things to, uh, to my husband that he had done over and over and over. So there was, in a sense, uh, no living it down. So it was just like a vicious cycle. We had one vehicle that we used uh, to, to work and he would frequently drop me off and many, many times I was just there. And I had no place to go. You know, my children were at home alone, and I was at work, and I had no way because my husband uh, did not come to pick me up. And I would just walk to the closest hotel that was um, available to me and uh, spend the night there. I would uh, frequently call the children and say, sorry, kids, mom's not going to be home tonight. I have no way home. But I love you and, you know, uh, just go to bed, you know? And that was just so, so painful. It was an experience that it's, it's undescribable to know that, you know, you can't even get home from work just to even kiss your children goodnight. 
I thought that um, the answer to my problems was divorce of my husband. I asked my husband uh, to leave. When he um, left, uh, we had one vehicle that we were using. And at that point, uh, there was a need for a second vehicle um, for one of us. So I purchased a vehicle from a friend. And when I picked up the vehicle that evening, the dial was set on a Christian radio, 105.7 FM in Houston, Texas. Normally, um, I do not listen to Christian radio, but for some reason unknown to me at that time, I reached over to turn off the dial on the Christian radio, and my hands just could not make it there. And I left that Christian radio on. The next morning, going to work, Nancy Lee the Moss came on. Her program spoke of forgiveness, total forgiveness and submission to your husband in a family. That really touched my heart. I could not stop thinking about that all day long. That just went around and around and around in my mind. Divorce at that point was apparent to me, was not the answer, but God was. After I asked my husband to leave, he left. One night he called and said he was very sick. And I asked him, why don't you call 911? So um, in God's wisdom, he did. And uh, I later learned that at that time when he had called me, he had a heart attack. He had ended up in the hospital. After that happened, God had already touched my life in such a tremendous way that it could never be the same. When I got there, Pascal was extremely restless, and there were many tubes and IVs and you name it that was, uh, that was attached to him. And the Holy Spirit asked me to just go and speak to him and let him know that he should come home and that I loved him. When I made a decision to forgive, when my heart was convicted, I despised my husband. I did not even want him to touch me. I wanted no parts of that relationship. And I prayed to God and I said, God, you know my heart and you know my feelings towards my husband. I do not like him, I do not love him. But I said, Lord, one thing I do know, that you, Lord, you are love yourself. And I am going to ask you, Lord, to just let your love flow through me. When he came home, I went to him and I said, you know, Pascal, I just want you to know today that I have forgiven you for everything that has occurred in a relationship from the beginning. After I forgave Pascal and asked him to forgive me, it's as though a, a total change occurred in our relationship. Pascal no longer had a need for drinking. Pascal became the type of husband that God wanted him to be. You know, we had many candlelight dinners together. You know, there was uh, many um, sweet cards expressing his love and 
admiration and friendship together. It was a total and complete change in our relationship. On a Tuesday morning around 4 a.m., my husband woke me up and he said, Lorna, I just want to love you. I just want to let you know that a man should love his wife with all his heart, with all his soul, and with all his mind. And I want you to know at this time that I love you that way. Around um, 1 o'clock in the afternoon, I was called at work and told that I needed to get home. When I got home, my son was at the door and he said, Mom, the ambulance just took Dad and I think we've lost him. I said, you know, Lord, when I prayed on Sunday, I asked you for healing, but you've gone one step further. You've given Pascal not just healing on earth, but eternally healing, life with you. I did not know that when God restored our marriage, that we only had four months together. The children remember those four months of their lives. It was actually like a loving marriage, you know, like the kind you see on TV or something, you know. And uh, I was able to experience something like that or even if it was for a brief period, I know I now know what it's like, you know. When my mom offered my dad the forgiveness, you know, unconditionally, and we all saw that, I was able to release a lot of the, you know, things that I had to. When we forgive, we release that burden. You um, have a victory. You have a freedom. You're loose. You know, and you're not anxious and frustrated, you know, because that burden is gone. And that's, you know, God speaks of that, that forgiveness. And once you forgive, you are free. You are free to serve God. You are free to really and truly be who God intends for you to be. a great story but it's true four months they had and look what a, a change it brought about for their children when you forgive you release the burden of guilt you have victory you have freedom you're loosed not anxious and frustrated because that burden is gone you're free to love and to be the person God wants you to be. We only have today. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. So my prayer today is that we would all say, Jesus, take the stones out of my hands and heal my relationships in my family, with my children, people I go to church with, the people I work with, whoever, so that, that we can be free to do what God wants us to do. Amen? Well, I kind of rushed through that because I was afraid it would be too long. If you didn't receive a booklet, I'm sure I have plenty up here on the front row. Um, 
but you are dismissed until the worship service, and if you didn't get a booklet, feel free to come up and get one.